welcome back to a new episode of Signs, Cosines, and Tangents. Hey, Jared. Hey, Sean. How are you? Great. I just thought we'd talk about our lives for the next you know, hour. Yeah. yeah, we should just go really deep into our lives. This is the IRL episode. Yeah. Fight me, IRL. <laughs> Uh, no, actually, we've got an interesting topic that we've talked about a bunch of times and never really focused on that we thought we'd get into. But before we dive into the main topic, let's talk tangents. Is it? That's a thing we do. It is. I think we need to do an episode of completely, like, tangents, and we should map it out. Like, we start on one thing and then just dive. Do, like, a mind map? Yeah. Yeah. To see how we got how there. many layers can we go and then can we get back uh how far down the rabbit hole can you go yeah, i don't know so don't know. what's on this week's list sean so we've got a number of interesting topics on this week's list the first one um is around arc survival evolved which if you're a survival game fan right now this is probably a game you've played and it's been in early access for like 14 years so it's been in early access so long that they sold an expansion to the early access game. How does that work exactly? You know, people have been asking that since the expansion came out. But as of this week, it's finally live. And guess what? The expansion or the game? Well, the expansion's been live for months. Okay. The game is now live. And they immediately announced an expansion. What? Well, and we'll come back to Destiny in a minute, but they also did that for Destiny. (laughs) (laughs) I know you're surprised, right? Yeah. Destiny 2 comes out next week. They've already announced the expansion? And the first strike. I know they announced the raid. Yeah, there's a a new strike and, and the first DLC content come out in the next month or two. It come out? Calm out. (sighs) Yeah, so... That whole early access thing just... I mean, I understand. It's like... It's like... It's like Kickstarter, but worse. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not really worse. I mean, you get to play the games. It's not just the idea of the game. Well, I know, but there's like no guarantee you're going to get... Ever going to get a finished product. Hey... Uh, you know, Subnautica is still in early access. Oh, God. Bringing it back to that game. They just released a huge patch. It was supposed to come out in July for out of early access, but they're still working on it because people like you don't like them. <laughs> people like you. You're the problem. You, who insist on, you know, good performance and... <laughs> good um, graphics. And, and, and a good user interface. And... Ugh. People they did like rev. me. People like me are ruining the industry. Well, you know, that's probably true. Yeah, too much nostalgia. Anyhow, so there's an expansion for a game that just came out. Yeah, this is becoming more and more... Well, that's like with the season pass stuff. It's like, hey, here's this game, but the real game. <laughs> well, where that's... I see this a little bit differently is this is a game that's not that they've basically been selling for two years, right? And they've been refining it and making it better because they said basically it's in a playable state, but it's not what we it's not our vision yet. And when we reach our vision, we'll release it. And then they do things like, okay, 
in a lot of games you think the day they day one dlc right we've we've talked about that before but day one dlc is dlc that the art teams are doing while the qa teams are finishing the game well with like arc there is they're not big enough to be that way it just doesn't make any sense to me but hey you can buy it if you want it's your choice but uh the cool thing about the concept though of the arc expansion is it's opening a new arc a malfunctioning arc where your character goes through the portal from the future naked with a little jewel in their arm because it's a survival game Mm -hmm. and then you find this I guess it looks like a moon is where you land, and there's weird fantastical creatures instead of dinosaurs. And you find out that if you go to the surface of this moon, there's radiation storms. And Let me guess the uh, next expansion. Sure. There's another arc. Oh, why would they do that? I don't know. I just have... It's just a gut. Have you actually played Ark? No. Okay. You're not a huge fan of the survival games, though. I like when I play Minecraft. I don't like to play survival. I did that. I like mm-hmm. when Minecraft first came out. I played the survival mode. At a certain point, I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah, but in Minecraft, you don't have to use your own poop to make things. I'm trying to think of a good <laughs> survival game. Which the first time I was playing Ark and my character uh, expelled waste, and then I turned around and used it as a crafting component. That pretty much sealed that game for me. That you were like, "Yep, this is this is it." Hmm. No, I survival not so much, and and where you and I differ, survival horror, survival horror, I like a little more. Yeah, I think you do. Um, there's at least some fun in that. <laughs> I can Well, I mean, there's an objective in that more than just survive. Right. It's don't get eaten by monsters. Which is kind of true in the survival genre in general, but you're right. The tension is higher. They use camera. I mean, it's the, the bio, um, God, my biohazard, you know, Resident Evil. Right. They they really pioneered all that, and then Silent Hill, which I'm I'm a bigger fan of Silent Hill than I am of, of Resident Evil. But good thing that game Silent Hills is coming out. Oh yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, or Layers of Fear, Destiny Two. You've had your hands on with I this. have. I've played both the console and the PC um, betas. And I played the PC beta, which is going on right now, right before the console release next week. And it's gorgeous. It looks really good on my PC. looks better than it does on my PS4 Pro. Um, I've played it with both keyboard and mouse and controller. I think Destiny really plays, for me, better with a controller. Uh, just Maybe it's because I've played so many hours of Destiny, despite not having finished the campaign with my gaming partner. Yeah, that guy. That guy, I don't know what he does all the time. Yeah, he's playing indie games most of the time. Ugh. You know, like Fishhook or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so... We've got until October 24th for the PC release. So, with your hands-on, how different does it feel? Or is it, it's Destiny? It feels like Destiny. Um, The one thing, I don't know if everybody knows this, is Activision Bungie is not actually 
doing the PC version. It's Vicarious Visions. Really? Yeah, they're they're in charge of the conversion. Huh. So Bungie is focused strictly on the consoles, and then Vicarious Vision is doing the conversion or port over to the PC. Uh, it was running on my 1060 3 gig um, NVIDIA card at about 45 to 50 FPS in small constrained spaces in high resolution. So I, I'm pretty satisfied with its performance. For me, it's just something about the gameplay in Destiny doesn't feel like a run-and-gun kind of PC shooter. It feels like a console shooter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I was going to... I thought you were talking about Destiny further in depth of just this, the the gameplay loop. Is... So the gameplay loop is a little different. So they've... And, and we didn't talk about the beta, did we? No. Because you... Did you play it? No. Do you want to know? Yes. They've changed the weapon systems. Okay. And this was probably the biggest change for me. Um, so you remember how you had, like, your sidearm, you had your primary weapon, and you had a heavy weapon? Or special weapon, primary right. weapon, and heavy weapon. Now it's kinetic weapon, energy weapon, and um, special weapon. Mm. So is that going to play more into the type of enemies you're you're going against? Well, in the introductory level that you get to play, and you get to play through the entire escape from the city, the attack by the, um, I forget what they're called off the top of my head, Cabal. And you get to play through that whole thing and then the storyline stuff, um, which is really pretty well scripted, right? So it, it kind of reminds me in some ways of uh, the best scripted scenes in Halo 2. And that's good. That means Bungie actually is kind of going back to its roots with this. Um, What's well, funny you mentioned kinetic and energy. That reminds me of Halo. You mm -hmm. had the, those are the two weapon types. I mean, for the most part, you had yeah. your energy weapons. And your bullet guns. Right. And then uh, you've still got some... I mean, you've got your special abilities and all that right. stuff. Uh, but it, it's a good grabber. I mean, if you're somebody who was on the fence, uh, which is funny because if you didn't pre-order, you didn't get it in the beta. Um, and we're... I mean, the only bad thing about the PC stuff here, because of the delay, it not coming out day and date with the console release, all the console people will have finished all of the storyline and probably the first two expansions before the PC version comes out. So all the story is going to be ruined for the PC players. Right. Which is kind of unfortunate. But the one thing I will say is I own both and no problems at all using uh, Blizzard authentication, right? So it's part of Battle.net uh, instead of being on Steam or anything else. No big deal. Shows up right next to Diablo 3 and StarCraft and all my other Blizzard games. Um, easy to get into, fun to play. The few levels that are on display are pretty much the same ones that were in the um, console version. And we'll just have to see how it evolves. Yeah. But if you're on the fence about picking it up on the PC, realize that it's probably a game that's still better played with a controller than keyboard and mouse at this point. But it's it, it's destiny, and the ability to play it on a PC. If you're a fan on the console, to get a little bit more precision in or precision in your shooting, it is more exact. I mean, the fact that I'm using a Death Adder instead of a 
you know, 360 controller or an Xbox One controller right. or a PS4 controller um, means that it's, you know, it's got some finesse to it, but I find it, and maybe it's just me, um, the, the run and turn and shoot and then to be able to switch weapons, I, I guess there's just this kind of physical lexicon that my body's used to when I play a shooter. And anymore, I play far more on the console of those types of games than I do on the on the keyboard and the mouse. And it just feels more natural. Filthy casual. Well, that's fine. You can call me that all you want. Yeah, it's fine. So, uh, what is Force Friday 2? <laughs> what is Force Friday 2? Uh, this is not Jeopardy. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, so... And you call yourself a no? You call yourself a Nintendo fan? This is a Nintendo thing. No, it's a Star Wars thing. Oh, Force Friday. The Force. Yeah, I'm aware of the Force. It it's binds the, us and holds everything together. I mean, everybody knows the Force. Midi chlorians. Yeah, I mean, I've got like a a high a, count. A high count. Yeah. No, so Force Friday is the great marketing blitz that always comes before, and I say always because it's happened once previously. Always. Always. Uh, happens previously, or previous to the release of the new generation Star Wars movies. So The Last Jedi is coming out in December. In order to generate marketing buzz and get merchandise on the f- floor so people can buy up everything, they do this big release in September of all the early pre-movie toys, the ones that won't spoil things, right? Well, so midnight on on Friday, this last Friday, 1st of September, a bunch of stores open their doors for rabid basement-dwelling fanboys to come in and spend all of their money. And here's the thing. So I'm not one of them, right? I, I do like my Star Wars toys, and I do collect some things. Um, by the way, the two things I bought on Force Friday, I bought from Amazon, and they're going to show up tomorrow. You're not basement dwelling, though. Well, my office... Did you buy my, them in your basement? I did buy them oh, in my basement. Oh, it all comes true. Oh, but yeah. it's not my mom's basement. No. I'm, right. I'm, I am I'm. pay my bills. You got two out of three on that one. Okay. but uh, So they do this big release of toys. and And this is a thing now? Oh, this has been a thing since... Always. The Force wakes up from its nap. Was it The Force wakes up from its nap? Or was it the uh, the one rogue... No, it was Force wakes up for, from its nap. And there was, strangely, no toy blitz with Rogue One, which actually, in some ways, had better toys yeah. than The Force Awakens. I, I don't know. I... I've reached sort of a saturation point with Star Wars, which I which is sad. How is that possible? It is. You've got Battlefront Two coming out when I'm sort of like meh. Well, got... that's because you played Battlefront One. Yeah. <laughs> Last Jedi is coming out. Yeah. Which... Luke's going to be a central character. I love Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. He's my favorite character from the original trilogy. Right. I don't know why he's a whiny farm boy, but I don't know. Um. I'm just sort of like, eh, yeah, I'm sure. Oh, he's been changed. Things are not going to be the same. There's new people. Oh, boy. I don't know. I'm just not, a, I'm not, 
I'm not excited like I was for Rogue One. I actually was really excited for Rogue One. I'm with you. Um, actually, and, the and what's last... with the Porgs? The Porgs, the Pogs, or whatever. <laughs> are those just like I saw that the Ewoks? And, yeah, the new Ewoks. They're just handheld Ewoks or whatever. I mean, are they? I don't know. I haven't seen the movie yet. I'd... There's already a whole like. Hey. Phasma's getting her own solo comic series and book to explain why she got thrown in a garbage contract compactor. I mean, <laughs> what she did after the garbage compactor. <laughs> I mean, why it's, she's so cool. It's sort of like a behind the music thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the guy who held the triangle of Blue Oyster Cult. Uh, yes, yeah, um, so um so now, you put in the show notes, nothing to buy here, move along. The reference makes sense now, but you did buy something. So. I did. I did. Yeah, okay. Because I collect the ships. And just to be clear, you fell into a completely uh, commercial consumerism marketing ploy. Uh-huh. You've, okay. Uh-huh. Well, with Star Wars, I do. I, <laughs> I actually, so they just released or um, announced the next wave of X-Wing miniatures. And I'm like, there are three ships I could really give a darn about. But there's an Imperial ship that's an attack gunboat, which is an X-Wing flashback. The the attack gunboat's from the original X-Wing game. Yeah. Um, the video game, not the board game. Right. And so I'm going to have to buy that because I have to continue acquiring Imperial ships so that when I finally get somebody to you know spend some time playing X-Wing with me, my $500 collection of all Imperial ships probably will be a little one-sided. Okay. You're the rebels. I'm the empire. Go. <laughs> Here's every tie fighter ever made coming at you. Um, okay. Secret empire. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, it's over. It's over. It's, it's over. It's, it's good. Hey, guess what? Captain America is not a Nazi anymore. Oh, great. Um, we've, I think, this oh, is... Iron Man's not dead. Neither is She-Hulk. Uh, so, uh, so um, we've talked about Secret Empire. I, it's been a year-long event in the Marvel comics. Yes. Um, it's a year-long slog. Basically, the Cosmic Cube replaced Steve Rogers' past. Well, seemingly, and he well, was a Hydra agent all along. We thought. We thought we were so dumb. You know, because we we believed them when yeah. they told us Steve Rogers was a Nazi, and then it turns out he He's wasn't not a Nazi. There was another Steve Rogers that was kept in a secret pocket universe. You know, like you do. I have a spare pocket universe right over there behind that curtain. Is that behind I, Mario or Link? Yeah, somewhere over there. You know, it's where I keep my <laughs> my stuff. You know, when you, when you don't need it, you just when put you, it in your you pocket. Keep the good universe. versions of your stuff. Yeah. You know, when you're not going to need, you know, you know, sometimes I'll just be evil um, and then I won't be because I was actually in my pocket universe. So Anyhow, isn't that the same as a mirror universe? No, no, no. A mirror universe means there's always an evil version of me out there that oh. hates Nintendo. A pocket universe is just a place I go sometimes. Okay. It's over there. I'm sure there's a lot more depth and, you know, pathos to all of this that we just aren't getting. Well, I mean, it's a pocket, so it's only... Not it's about only, the pocket. I mean only, about the Secret Empire stuff. So, and 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 get this, it was all for naught because the universe got reset. The, what? What? 
why that never happens in marvel comics i bet you're gonna tell me phoenix is alive next pro, pro- isn't she didn't they, help, didn't they bring the old X-Men back in and there's old X-Men and new X-Men, but Wolverine's dead, but he's going to come back. But old point. man Logan exists. But he's, yeah, whatever. It, this is this is the kind of stuff where... Why do people not read comics anymore? Exactly. Because the movies, as scary as it sounds, make more sense yeah. than the comic books do. Well, if you have to, if you have to write in a, a book every week or every month for years... And keep a continuous story that it, it's just not going to happen. And you've got to have your big budget crossover event. But why? Because you got stuff. I blame Jim Shooter. It's all Jim Shooter's fault. The big, big, the first big budget crossover event was Secret Wars. But Secret Wars was good. You know, I go back and read it, and I actually, it, it, there were some lasting changes made to. Marvel heroes out of the the original Secret Wars, right? Spider Man got his black suit. Um, they talked about Magneto's status as a hero, not as a villain. You know, they mixed some things up with Doctor Doom, and you know, there was actually some lasting changes that came out of that. Invisible Woman came out of that because she was Invisible Girl before that, even though she was like forty seven chronologically. Mm-hmm. Not actually physically. I think physically she's like thirty two. The Marvel the Marvel universe time is like what one one for sixtieth of normal yeah. time or something oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, Kitty Pride is one of those people whose character is actually aged while everybody else around her didn't. Because <laughs> she's is, not this 16. is this is why it's very hard <laughs> to be a comic book fan. Uh, yeah, because now she's hanging out with the Guardians of the Galaxy, like you do. Well, anyway, she was so- she was you know you can blame Joss Whedon for that actually, because she had to save the Earth by phasing through a giant space bullet that was going to destroy the Earth, so she had to turn it insubstantial, but she ended up not being able to turn off her power, and it carried her into space. This all makes yeah. no sense. No, 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 that, that that checks out. And then somehow Venom ended up in space. That was the same plot as the uh, Lost in Space movie that came out a few years ago. Which was a blockbuster hit. A blockbuster hit where they were heading towards a planet so fast that they had to go to the warp. You know, mine. wouldn't it be great if in the Marvel Universe somebody just in character saw just how absurd this all was? Is there any character like that in the Marvel Universe? There's there's a few, but there's one I'm thinking of. Like what? The unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Who is a marketing powerhouse waiting to happen. Oh yeah, there's there's already going to be a a show. She's the clean Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we we link to it in the show notes, but in the most recent issues of uh, Squirrel Girl, there's uh, yeah, a yeah, she Twitter... has her own comic. Yeah, she does. Well, she she's in like multiple comics now. She's an Avenger, like the Midwest Avengers. She's, no, she's on the payroll of the Avengers. Look it up. Um. Well, she does defeat every single supervillain. I mean, she's killed like she beat Thanos. Yeah, that checks by out. herself. That's ridiculous. <laughs> but anyway, so she's commenting with Spider-Man, and and Spider-Man's like, "You need to come help out." You know, the Secret Empire, Captain America's evil, and she's sort of like, "I've got to save dinosaurs. I'll be I'll be back when I'm done." saving dinosaurs she's in the savage land on dinosaur island which is cool because 
squirrel girl saving dinosaurs. And, and there's literally a line that's, uh, I can assume that everything's going to be fine. You know, everything's going to be the same with some minor change-ups. <laughs> yeah. And Spider-Man's like, uh, yeah, probably. Okay. Exactly. We're One done. year. An and, event and, that lasts. And you know what? He was absolutely right. That's how smart Spider-Man is. He knew that nothing would really change. That it was almost like it was a marketing event created just to sell comic books. And we've never felt prey to that. Anyhow, uh, the Switch. What about... Your favorite console that you still haven't purchased. I've, tr- I've walked away from it twice. I know. Third time's the charm. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you. Um, so they're working with SanDisk. You know, the Nintendo SanDisk partnership Partnership, has it's lasted for years it's 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 a tried true trusted relationship (laughs) yes i want my link branded sandisk micro sd card oh gosh hxd we're talking about they're they're gonna make nintendo branded sandisk cards now i'm thinking there probably is gonna be one i'm actually excited for this i'm excited to have a link branded sandisk micro sd card the size of my thumbnail. That's that green sh- with the high roll symbol on it. That I shoot up my switch and never see again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what's the point? Actually, from all of the prototype artwork I saw, it's the packaging that's branded. <laughs> the, the the actual Why? micro SD card is the same black micro SD card with white writing on it. So the reason this is in the the news is they basically announced that there are going to be some upcoming switch titles. That are going to require installation like every single console these days. Which is good. That's fine. You know, when we get to Xenoblade, you know, whatever, those yep. games. Um, that's yep. going to be good in the long run. It's going to make those huge games. It might add for added textures. But did it have to come through an announcement about a partnership with SanDisk branded? <sighs> so what if I buy Micro Center brand? Will I not no. be able to play it? Nintendo Nintendo says it's Are they going to okay. pull an Apple and say that it's not officially <laughs> supported and then write microcode that makes it not run? You know, I won't defend that. But you know what I will? <laughs> oh, God. I, I apologize for that segue. I'm just sorry. Hey, Sean. Yeah. Did you watch The Defenders? The Defenders? Yeah. What's that? It's the uh, Marvel Netflix universe that's slightly acknowledges the actual MCU, but only to the, like they don't even address that they're aliens. They're sort of like, Oh, there was a thing in New York one time. The event. I thought it was the incident or the incident. Yeah. The event was a bad series on NBC. Yeah. About aliens. So the defenders, there's been five seasons. Of course I've seen the defenders. We talked about it two weeks ago. We talked about it last week and we talked about it last week. Okay. We said we were going to talk about it this week. Well, we did. Are we? Yeah, that's what we're Have doing. you watched it? I did. It's like you play Destiny, right? Oh, my God. I actually did this. I watched all eight. <laughs> I didn't watch two and said, yeah, I'll watch the rest later. I watched uh-huh. them all. So what'd you think? Eh. How'd you think of the ending? And this is a spoiler for those who haven't watched yeah, it all the way through. Uh, we're going to spoil it. Because it, you have there's to no way of about talking it. about this without the spoilers. So, um, I'll just say, well, I can say this without spo- Well, we're going to spoil it anyways. When you have a show and you build up a character and then you're like, you kill a character. Like, 
actually it makes total sense now comic books but <laughs> see you, tangent number four yeah you kill a character to have some emotional weight to the story what you shouldn't do is show that they didn't die within five minutes <laughs> you mean daredevil's not dead uh no so his sacrifice was pointless yes and how did he get how did he survive dragon bones and how did where did he show up? Well, okay, we're gonna talk about we're just we're, spoiler spoiler alert. If you don't want to hear about the defenders, skip to our main topic or something because we're gonna ruin everything. So the entire premise of the defenders essentially led up to there's a dragon buried under New York City yes. that grants eternal life and is holding up the entire well, infrastructure of New York, which makes no sense. And that dinosaur bone that's holding up the entire infrastructure of New York can be cut with a normal run-of-the-mill from Home Depot circular saw. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> hey, thugs, take that, uh, you know, Black & Decker over there and cut apart the immortal bones so yeah, we just... can liquefy it and drink it. Yeah. Because that's what they do. Dragon bone smoothie. Dragon bone smoothie. Yeah. Um, and And... It's not even a big dragon. So, I- I'm okay when, when stories don't explain things, but how is Madame Gao using the Force? <laughs> is, do dragon bones give you the so, Force? I think that she, and actually they play this up a little bit in um, Iron Fist. Which, did you finish Iron yeah, Fist? Okay. Yeah. So Madame Gao in Iron Fist started to show some of her mystic capabilities. Right. I think it is mystic power. Except that every other character in the show, even the fingers of the hand, are grounded characters. They're not like superheroes. They're not like supervillains. They're 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 criminal masterminds. And yeah, they're immortal. But and like the one guy is really good at sword fighting, and Madame Gao is really good at Chinese laundry. And I mean, I I don't understand it either. There's no way I can justify this, except that. I kind of accept it because they've hinted at it since she showed up in the first season of Daredevil. Right. And when she's the she's literally the strongest member. She's the only one that's effective. Yeah. And she walks away. She's the only one that walks away. <laughs> I mean, here's this. If you haven't watched it, I'm sure you heard us talk about Iron Fist. So, this was their solution. Iron Fist is the least uh well-written least well acted least everything show and you know what they did they said hey you know the iron fist show we're doubling down the defenders is all about him i mean seriously it was oh and let's bring all of the other really cool characters who i think actually could have interesting pathos together yeah let's throw them in a room somewhere let's go to the chinese restaurant the right next door to the building we just escaped Right, where the bad guys won't possibly look. No, it's the hand. Master ninjas used for <laughs> tracking and stealth. Let's just move a block down the street. Yeah, and then not tell the people who are in there. And then Danny can buy the restaurant so he can have them sung. And we can talk about our problems when Stick shows up out of nowhere. Oh, oh and the hand does show up. Yep. And, and says, hey, you know, if you just, just stop fighting me, this will all go better for you. 
And, of course, our heroes have to say, but you want to take Danny. Why do we care? Yeah, take him. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no reason for the other three characters to care about Danny Rand or the Iron Fist. By the way, Iron Fist tells every single person in New York that he meets. He doesn't say hello when he meets you. He says, hi, I'm the Iron Fist. No, I'm the immortal Iron Fist. And and, and I'm the immortal Iron Fist. And you're like, you know, you're a crazy kid who got lost in the woods. Well, I mean, they at least tried of involving each of the characters, except for Luke Cage. Luke Cage was just there. Well, and he's kind of already complete. Yeah. Right? Who he is, what he's doing, really was told very well in Luke Cage. He's back, he, so he went and did his prison time, and he's accepted that he's Luke Cage now and not his original identity. And he comes back to Harlem to be the defender of Harlem, and he starts doing that. And then all of a sudden, one of the kids gets wrapped up in the hand stuff, and he gets killed, which pisses Luke off. And then he gets pulled into all of this. But he's got no connection to anybody but Jessica at that point. And Jessica's like, through the whole series, I'm done with this stuff. This is ridiculous. To Up to the last five minutes, she's saying that. And then suddenly it's like, whoa, we made a good team. You're Jessica Jones. You don't give a darn about anybody. I Yeah, I mean, she made sense. But also, it was like she didn't want to have anything to do with it. But then she was involved in every fight. And I'm still not clear on what her powers are. So I can tell you what her powers are or should be. Because sometimes she punches somebody and they fly across the She's room. super strong. And sometimes she punches somebody and they just fall over. Yeah. So that was a problem through this entire series. When you've got super strong... And you have three super strong characters, right? And Iron Batman. Fist. And, and Batman. <laughs> and blind Batman. No, literal Batman. I didn't even think about that. Because yeah. he sees through Sonic's... Exactly. <laughs> He's bad. Thanks. You just I ruined the character of Daredevil for you. <laughs> yeah, he's Batman. I except he was a box. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, anyway, you got three characters who have super strength. They inconsistently present these three characters and their powers to suit whatever scene they're in. Well, and the Iron Fist, he's just they just need to get rid of him. And he, he has die. to focus his emotions to well, use his that's power. that's the thing. They never even fully explained that in Iron Fist, and they had a whole season of this to explain it, and they don't... It's not working now. Uh, i got to focus my chi, whatever that means. Even when he, he's focused, he can't do it. But so, then all of a sudden, he can punch the ground and cause a tremor. So here's the only thing I think is good coming out of the Defenders. Colleen Wing and Misty Knight. Those two characters carried the entire show for me yep they were believable at every moment they were in a scene i understood their motivations i understood their weaknesses they're caught up in all this crazy bs that's going on and yes colleen knows more because she was a member of the hand um but those were the two characters i cared about and then throw Foggy in and Karen in. And, and then they decided just to throw him in the room for three episodes or four yeah. episodes or whatever. Yeah. And then Claire's in the room, locked in the room. We're going to keep you safe at police headquarters. By the way, we'll let all the superheroes just walk around anywhere they want to go in the cop's shop. 
nope, that's not really the way that works. Well, anyhow. It's over. It's done. We'll move over. I mean, overall, it was fun, but it just, I don't know. Why am I so looking forward to The Punisher now? I know. <laughs> I don't know. Because none of this will be part of that. I know. So uh, At least Karen Page will be in that. You know, the wonderful character of Karen Page. She's so awesome. She has a character? No. Okay. Um, so, we were talking about materialistic consumer marketing. Yes, and, and if you're listening to this podcast on a computer, you need to go to the show notes right now, pause the podcast, and watch the Shovel Knight Amiibo commercial by itself. Just You need to take a few minutes it's and like savor it. It's like a minute it. long. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's so, just... Oh, wow. Uh, PAX is this, it's right now, and um, they announced new Amiibo for Shovel Knight, which is awesome. Shovel and Knight a new was... Shovel Knight game, let's add that. We'll talk about that in a second. Well, yeah. Um, Shovel Knight is one of the few characters, game figures out there that isn't an, has its own Amiibo outside of Nintendo. Like, they worked with Nintendo directly to publish the Shovel Knight Amiibo. Um, mm-hmm. And now we're getting three more. Well, and to be fair, it's not that it's really one of the few that has its own amiibo. I think it's the only indie game yeah. that has that kind of a marketing and merchandising tie-in. Yeah. Because if you think about the others, it's Ryu and Mega Man and Cloud. And, and But those Adam. were all part of Smash right. and made and released by Nintendo. Yep. Um, so anyhow, we're getting Plague Knight, King Knight, and Spectre Knight. The three characters that are getting their own campaigns inside of Shovel Knight. Um, we've already seen Plague Knight. We've already seen Spectre Knight. King Knight. The new uh, the new prequel story was announced. King of Cards. Mm-hmm. And like any good game, it's going to have its own card battling game system. Because every game must have that now. And I mean, Shovel Knight already had fishing, um, which Sean loves. Favorite part of Shovel oh, Knight. My favorite. Um so this this only completes that that story. Oh, you want a tangent on this tangent? Yeah. They announced Final Fantasy 15 Mobile. It is a touch-based recreation of the entire Final Fantasy 15 game for mobile devices. What? With chibi art. The entire game. The entire game, including the cutscenes, the voice acting, everything. Open world. Yeah. Final Fantasy 15. Yes. But on it's, an iPhone it's, it's with tap, chibi art. It's tap-based. So it's tap combat instead of, you know, controller-based combat. You, you've got to see this. It's just, oh my, what? <laughs> I think we're not going to call Square Enix Square Enix next year. It's going to be Final Fantasy XV Square Enix Edition. <laughs> Everything is... And, uh, wow. A- anyhow, uh, back to Shovel Knight. Yeah, new amiibos. You gotta watch this trailer. It's amazing. The amiibos look great. Um, I'm really excited for the new campaign. Mm-hmm. This is the last addition they're making to Shovel Knight outside of the uh, battle mode. Until they make Shovel Knight two, they are not going to do that. You think so? I'm pretty sure. They've they've for us that kick started the game. They've sent us many polls asking what we want to see. And they've said they're pretty much going to try something new and then come back to Shovel Knight. So you said you want to see your fun die. I I would love if they did Shovel Knight, but I can understand they don't want to get stuck burning. I mean, doing the Shovel Knight thing. Yeah. Shoveling out Shovel Knight games. Yeah. 
They're just shoveling it out. But every one has been better than the last. That's the insane part. So, oh. So there's new Shovel Knight Amiibos and a new Shovel Knight game yep. coming in 2018. I think the Ami- are the Amiibos coming out in 2018 or sooner? Yeah, I think they're coming out. Probably at the same time. Um, Let's move on to our main topic. Are you ready for this? As ready as I'm going to be today. What, okay. Well, I guess... Well, I guess that we'll- was an endorsement. Don't worry. So we're talking Shovel Knight, and I thought we'd play some Shovel Knight music. Well, it's a good segue into our main topic, which was a Jared-inspired main topic, I might add. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you inspired it. I didn't say you came up with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I usually do that. (laughs) Here's an idea. I'm not willing to put in the work for it. Yeah, I was the one who wrote all those show notes, so... (laughs) You know, i got to do something if you're doing all the sound engineering. But, uh... So, this week... We wanted to talk about the indie game scene, just in general, because um, we were we were discussing off the podcast because we actually converse off when we're not podcasting. Surprisingly, we're not really friends in real life. No. This is all for the money. Yeah, we're all in it for the money. Um, and I asked Sean. I said, "Is there an indie game bubble happening about to happen?" And I think we both agreed that there's something going on around that, and maybe we come at it from a little bit different, but. Let, let's talk a bit about the growth of indie, right? So we've mentioned Indie Games, the movie, a few times. We've talked about a bunch of independent games. Actually, a lot of what we talk about is independent games. And that kind of led to the conversation that, is anybody actually putting out anything other than independent games for the most part? I mean, you get your seven or nine big AAA titles every year, but there's hundreds of games coming out, and they're almost all indie. And what I started to see was uh, Nintendo had a press conference with a bunch of indies that are coming to Switch. And there was another indie stream. And what I'm starting to see is just a lot of... There's not a lot of, well, this is why you should play this game. It's like, well, it's a top-down game just like Zelda. So is indie really about no marketing, quick-hit clones of another already successful formula the way i like to think about it or at least how i've interpreted it the past few years is the indie market is more on iteration and um the triple a is more of just game changing stuff Hmm. i mean there's been some game changing games but if you look at if you look at like uh shovel knight we were just talking about shovel knight it's a d-make um yeah we talked about that we did it didn't we do an episode on this we did but a lot of what it was comprised of was it's the best hits of the NES generation. Okay. You have certain mechanics, certain Minus art the styles, card certain music. Because huh? card battles are purely modern mechanics. Well, that's the expansion. So is DLC. <laughs> um, and, but nothing there. I mean, it was all inspired on old stuff. The gameplay... It's nothing new. It was just done. It was just executed really well. So we talked about this when we talked about nostalgia. Yeah. Which is that we're seeing a lot of these new games that basically just are refinements of classic gameplay. Right. Um, with new settings, new characters, that kind of approach. And and you're right. I think there's a lot of that in the indie scene. But what makes a game indie? See, I that's mean, that's if you the go, thing that's not clear anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, if you go back to the 
origins of the term, it was about an independent game built with very little to no funding with a very small, dedicated, personal team. Is that still the case today? In some senses, um, and not in others. Like, we, we mentioned No Man's Sky, and Sean was like, is it really indie? I mean, we saw the E3, Sony pumped in a bunch of money to it. Mm-hmm. But we know for a fact, I mean, that's made by a small team, and Sean Murray put his house on the line. Yeah, and, and his he, mouth on the AAA line. AAA Games <laughs> guy isn't putting a house on the line. Um, yeah, I doubt, I doubt Casey Hudson is worried about Mass Effect Andromeda's failure because he's going to lose his car. Right. Um, but at the same time, if you think about even independent publishers, there's, there's a difference between independent publishing and independent game design. Right. Yeah, and then there's also a difference between this current here's I'm going to sum this up in a way that might get me in trouble. That's fine. You know what indie is? The what? label. It's the organic non-GMO of gaming. <laughs> yeah, in some cases I can see that. No, I I think it's used largely as a marketing label. And I mm... And we're seeing it used more and more by the giant console publishers, Sony, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Nintendo, Nintendo, even Xbox mm, to a small they're, extent. They're starting to come. I mean, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, Nintendo, a big push of what they're marketing with the Switch is, is indie stuff. Because there's not a lot of AAA stuff coming out for it yet. Well, Third party stuff. Yeah, Nintendo's not making a lot of games. They're They're shoveling other people's work onto their system. But that... That's not a bad thing, but when we talk about, well, what was I, that? I don't know what that was. D- did we ding? Is it? Are we over? Are <laughs> we canceled? Over. Show's done. <laughs> <laughs> it done. Um, but no, I mean Nintendo and Sony especially are putting a lot of effort in marketing these indie games. But and- there's there's a similarity in the two approaches actually. So when the PS4 first came out, it was touted as very indie friendly because there was no software. Right, it was going to take eighteen months for the big hit games to start hitting, and we're now four and a half, five years into it. They're still supporting indie games, but for that first year, year and a half, it was you know this big push for indie because they didn't have first party or third party games. Switch is doing exactly the same thing. This is this is one case of Nintendo not being innovative. They're just well, they did it with the Wii U as well, with the Virtual Console and. And all the other, yeah, we the eShop games. If you compare the the, I mean, for those that saw Indie Game the movie, when Indie Games first came on the scene, it was two generation games. It was the Xbox 360, PS3, and Wii. Vita and <laughs> I think Vita was sort of no PSP. Straddler. It was really the PSP. Yeah, um, and when they first came on the scene. It was a big deal, mm-hmm. um, mostly because it was hard to hear about them. Um, because there was no marketing, no marketing, you know. And they were they these people, you know, Super Meepo. Let's bring that up. It's one of my favorite games. Yeah, that was and part was of the indie game, the movie. It was a big focus. Of that um, movie. Two guys, one did art, one did programming. Mm-hmm. Um, they had some help with some music, but I mean, the the bulk of it was two guys. Um. And 
you can tell it's it's a very straightforward game. There was no marketing around it. It's a very specific vision uh, from the art standpoint. Mm-hmm. And we know Edmund McMillan has a very distinct art style. Um, but that game came out. And when it came out, it was it was coming out on Tuesday. And I mean, you, you'll see it in an indie game in the movie. Some people like me were like, hey, I really want to try this. And they said it's coming out on Tuesday. And it didn't come out. It was like, when's it coming out? It's on Tuesday. It was like Tuesday afternoon. Where is it? Yeah. Um, because they weren't treated the way that AAA games were. They weren't in the pipeline on yeah. the major distribution networks the way that a digital title from Microsoft... And they were a Microsoft lead title, right? Right. They, Microsoft, uh, I think, helped them. Yeah, they, they co-published or... Co- yeah. they, they threw some money in to finish the game. The other thing with that was the costs of publishing a game on those platforms. Well, to even get it through certification for release on the platform was this process that cost a lot of money. And again, if you want to hear this story, I mean it's really really well documented in Indie Game the movie. Yeah, I don't want to I don't want to tell that movie, but I just want to sum it up. Um it was not expensive. And the the thing is, if you have two guys making a game and you release it with a bug, you've got to release a patch. We see patches all the time. It's not on we put in a game of disc and we've got a day one patch for or we just now. release it in early access. With a with an expansion, um, <laughs> but back then when they wanted to patch the game, it was like a thousand or multiple thousands of dollars they had to pay Microsoft to patch yep. a game. Yep, and that was actually we were talking about Valve last week with the Orange Box. That's one of the reasons the Orange Box didn't really succeed on, or Team Fortress Two especially didn't succeed on the Xbox platform, is. We know Team Fortress 2, at least when it came out, it was just iterative update, update, update. Yeah, the uh, launch version content. of the game is new nothing content. like what it is today. It was it was the beginning of what we've seen as games as a service. And back then... Gas? They, huh? It was gas? It was gas. Games as a service? I never gas. seen anybody use that. <laughs> um, please don't. But back then, when they released an update, they had to pay Microsoft a bunch of money just to push out an update. And it was true on the Sony platform, too. Yeah. Um, and then you had the Nintendo side of things, and Nintendo was a lot more stingy and conservative with what they were putting on their platform back then. And they just didn't have the resources dedicated to do a lot of indie game publishing. We saw some good stuff on the Wii. We saw World of Goo and mm-hmm. um, the Telltale series. Because I think Telltale at that point was considered indie, wasn't it? I still think it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, these are s- independent studios. But Telltale is pretty big now. Now it's gotten a lot bigger. Yeah. yeah. We went on a tangent there. No, I don't think we have. I think we're, we're kind of talking about what makes a game an indie yeah. game. And has it changed over time? I, I think mean, it has. But... Absolutely. You've got, you've got, you're seeing games, indie games at E3, a huge marketing event. That was, that was not normal for you. Well, and ago. it's again, my, my GMO, you know, organic reference is kind of like, it's cool to not be a triple A game it's right. it's cool to be a hipster but then not now you have like the indie indies you know? you've got like this mid-tier indie publishers and then you have like the true indies out there yeah um, well and so no man's sky i think probably yes absolutely from its genesis is an independent game 
but we'll put it in that mid-tier indie scene. Another one to put in there is Fat Princess. Yep. Right? It's it's a game that was really co-sponsored in a lot of ways by Sony to give them some of those early platform hits. Um, one that Microsoft got involved in, but not to the same extent, and, and this is one we could debate, is Castle Crashers. Yeah. Castle Crashers was pretty early in the scene, too. Yeah. Um, with the Behemoth. I mean... A lot of people played Castle well, and Crashers. Well, they Alien Hominid, and they'd done PC games as well as Xbox games. And, you know... But the the number of people that played Alien Hominid compared to Castle Crashers, I mean, it's a huge disparity there. Well, Castle Crashers is on Steam these days. So right. people can still play it, even if they don't want to fire up their 360s. Remastered. And it's also on the Xbox One. Um, but... And, and the reason it's never gone... And I'm pretty sure on this, because... My brain's a little fuzzy, but it never went multi-platform, really. And I don't, I don't think they ever put it out on the, the PlayStation, did they? We were fact-checking that. Okay, but I mean, there's there's this long list of of games that have had impact in the last five to ten years that came from small studios. It came out on PS3. It did come out on PS3. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Yep. I, I guess I. Never even noticed it, but it was must have been so much later than everything else. Um, I don't know. Anyways, so we've identified that indie games themselves have kind of evolved as the platforms have evolved. And I still think to truly be an independent title means that you are a small team, independently funded, at least initially, Right? nobody's throwing a bunch of seed money at you to write this game. Well, we're, we're seeing a lot of that, like with the Ori mm-hmm. and the blind forest and cuphead, which is coming out later this month. Microsoft is like throwing money at those. Do you consider those indies? I think that's finishing money. Is what I think that is. Yeah. Well, this is a sequel to Ori. Yeah. So I would almost say it's not at this point an independent game. Um, I don't know. See, I'm kind of torn on this whole thing. And this it's, is really what led to this being our topic. So we can sit here and equivocate the entire time right. about what is and what isn't. And come to the realization that we really don't know how to define it anymore. And then there's the bigger question. Does it matter? If if a good game shows up on your game platform and five people made it versus a team of 200, do you care? I mean, in the end, no, but I do. I mean, like Shovel Knight. I, I hate... You been always sort of fall back. It's, it's okay. It's, it's a, a fallback. Um, that game, game is... I said, when, I, when it came out, I said it was the most Nintendo game... That was not made by Nintendo. To come out. Yeah. Not by Nintendo. And that's a, that's a compliment, but it also speaks to the level of polish in that game. Because when you think indie, polish is sort of secondary. Secondary, yeah. Yeah. No um, Man's Sky. <laughs> 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 that's a game that was forced out. So it's here's another thing: as these indie games have become more and more aligned with their publishing partners, there's pressures that you see in a traditional AAA game going down to the indie scene. You've got a team of thirty people, and they're killing themselves to get this game out. 
in a reasonable period of time. Now you've got publisher money coming in, which is not typically part of the indie equation. And they're saying, okay, we want to launch for Christmas 2017. And you're going, we might be able to do that, but we only have 30 people. And oh, by the way, our office just flooded. Yeah. Um, and, and this is not me giving a bunch of excuses, but they're not built with a construction pipeline pipeline or QA pipeline or a development pipeline the way that a major studio is. And well, I mean, let's, let's equate this to other things like music and movies, the indie scene and movies, right? The YouTube phenomena. Yeah. That's pretty much moved to YouTube. Yeah. There's a few indie movies we've watched throughout times where they were indie, but you know, like the thing that's coming to my mind is Napoleon dynamite. Yeah. That was an indie. We don't think it's indie anymore. I mean, it was it hit so mainstream, but it was still an independent film, right? And you can tell. Um, and some of those films, those are the, your art show films, the films that go out to these major distribution shows to find somebody to release them, and they're often homemade, put in the can, and they sit there for a while. But if we compare that to the video game scene, in terms of sheer quantity, it's not the same. Well, interesting. Do you, I mean, do you, I don't think it is. I think there's actually far more movies made than games. We just don't hear about most of the indie movies. There are better distribution platforms for indie games. That's a very, very good point. The, the methods of which movies are distributed, other than you, they're all very controlled. Yeah, there's a very big formal process to getting Whereas, a movie in a theater. If Sean and I really, really wanted to, we could put out an indie game on pretty much any, especially Steam. We could thirst anything on Steam. Yeah. Um, it's going to get out there as long as we publish it and go through the well, right channels and no, put the right money Just go through it. your Steam queue. Yeah. I mean, all you have to do is do a, a random sampling of Steam games in your Steam queue, and the majority of those are technically independent games. And whether they're tagged with indie or not. And there are people who go out and get the RPG Maker engine and make their own game. Or they get Unity and they make their own game. Or Game Maker or one of those engines. Any of those, yeah. And then they publish them themselves. And they say, okay, I'm going to sell them for $9. And I'm going to take home $2 of that after Valve takes everything else. That's still $2 that they wouldn't normally get. Right. And there's, I mean, they don't have to get it approved by a board or a committee. I mean, it, they can pretty much publish it. And if it finds an audience, then... And music has even surpassed that. There's tons of music delivery platforms. Yeah. Um, Bandcamp is one of the ones I think so. I mean, anybody can put an album on Bandcamp. I mean, there's plenty of others. There's services that you can put music out and it will put it out in Spotify, Apple Music. I mean, it'll, it'll put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so... And and while we're relating this, I mean, we're not saying there's a saturation of music. No, I don't think there is. I think that there's a homogenization on radio because yeah. oh, it's yeah. commercial. Well, radio's but dead. if you are just roaming through podcasting, is the indie radio? Well, um, the indie talk radio. <laughs> um, but. If you're just, well, and the problem is most people can't monetize podcasting. That's a whole other challenge. 
Um, but uh, I, I don't know. It, it's it's evolving. People's yeah. use and attachment to media is evolving. Well, and there was a really good video on Dorkly where they're just talking about 2017 in general and game releases. This year is huge. There is a ton of stuff happening this year. Mm-hmm. Expansions, sequels, consoles, games, new games, AAA, indie, remakes like Sonic Mania. There's a ton going on this year. And they basically said the the world of video gaming is is so mainstream now that it you can't follow it because before mm-hmm. two consoles ago you could follow it you could have the people that played every game yeah but it is so expansive now that you can't follow it so really what the the, the moral of that story was is if you find something you like go with it yeah i think that's a good point so to kind of wrap this topic up round round us back up sean because i went on a a tangent uh well it's okay uh, vision quest that's what we do <laughs> it's, it's what you do it's all good what what are you know we put together a list that's in the show notes and we kind of thought we'd walk through this list which is just jared and sean's personal view of some of the better indie titles that have been released in the last few years either they've changed the way games are made or they've changed you know, the way people consume games or they've taken an old formula and made it really, really fresh. And so I thought we'd kind of walk through that. There's one that I'm not even going to let you talk about it. Okay, move on. Because you've already talked about, which is the first one, Shovel Knight. Yeah. Um, Second one, I put in the forever at the end of this, even though we really were talking about the original Super Meat Boy. Mm -hmm. But they, as of this weekend at PAX, announced a sequel. That's coming exclusively. Nope. That's false. That's coming primarily. No, it's coming out on all the platforms. Same. Maybe partially going to be released on. Yeah. So that's the other thing. That was that was uh, Tommy Refinis, one of the guys from Team Meat, was like on his on the Team Meat Twitter was like, "This is not a Switch exclusive, guys. It's coming out on PS4, and Xbox One, and PC. Guys, it's not a Switch exclusive." <laughs> yeah. So um, if you watch the Nintendo trailer, they they, they debuted it. Yeah, the trailer on their thing, it was but. it was presented in such a way to think that it was a console leader, and that's why I said it the way I did. Um, but Super Meat Boy's got a sequel coming out, and it's going to be on a bunch of stuff. Um, Braid, we've talked about Braid in the past. Yep, Jonathan Blow's uh, very very personal platform puzzle game, um, and then. I know we've talked about Spelunky too, haven't we? We haven't. We talked about we talked about Spelunky a little bit when we talked about roguelikes. We really haven't talked about its influence on the indie scene. Well, here's your time. Well, it basically inspired a bunch of roguelites. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so Moving on. <laughs> and then there's Fez, which we have also talked about. Fez, yeah, puzzle platforming, amazing. And again. M- Looking at this list, the one, the final list, there's a number of these that are either derived from or were actually featured as. We've got all three movies. In, in, I was gonna say, or all three games in, from in the indie, indie movies. movies. Yeah. yeah, they're all in here. Um, then we said Castle Crashers. I mean, I I could sit here and list out. I mean, there's a ton yeah. that we're probably missing. Well, there are. I mean, we talked about Kentucky Route Zero and yeah. 
there's a bunch of these games. Telltale that, games, if you consider them indie, or at yep. least they were. And actually, just to make this easier, we put a list of our favorites, and then there's a list of kind of the top 30 that TechCrunch came right. up with, which includes most of these titles. Um, so if you're interested in seeing what indie looks like, it's hard to classify it. It's not like a platformer or it's not a genre. It's it's a mechanism of production. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of what the indie game scene is doing really well is they're taking spins or tests on certain genres. We talked about genres a few episodes ago when we were talking about roguelikes mm-hmm. and they're they're the ones at the forefront of saying okay we're gonna take a action platformer and we're gonna throw in um puyo puyo into it or something like that you know there's a game i want to add to this list that i didn't have on there what and i don't think you've played it party hard what is that it is a murder simulator so you're a guest at this party, and the goal is to kill everybody at the party without getting caught. Oh, it I've is seen a, that. I've seen a that. great game, by the You've way. You've got to, like, poison so, stuff. So it's or... a stealth game, yeah, yeah. right? So you, anyway, and you and I have never talked about that, but... No, I we should so... play it. We should play it. Um, I mean, we could possibly consider the Jackbox games indie games at this point. Yeah. They're... I mean, when they weren't really indie when they first came out but that studio is pretty much indie at this point yeah i think you're right you know what i mean because they were part of sierra originally yeah and then sierra doesn't exist they're their own publishers they're coming out with their own games they've got a very small team Um, and yeah cookie masterson yeah (laughs) um anyhow anyhow check out our list we want to know what indie games what do you consider an indie game what's your favorite indie game is there and, something we missed? Oh, dude, there's stuff we missed. Well, I know we missed, uh, but this is the question to the audience. Tell us what's your favorite game that you've played that you can... And how do you define indie yourself? And right. does it matter? Do you care? And do you, do you follow indie? Or do you even know if you're following indie? I guess this is a good question. It's a very meta question. Well, you know what I mean? When you follow like all the big uh, IGN, indie stuff trickles up, but not mm-hmm. all of it. Um, that was both I'm, of up. Us. I'm up. I'm up. I'm <laughs> up. I think our podcast is over. Anyhow, we'll we'll just sum it up. Just do you, when you look at games, do you even consider? And I think that's really an, an, another subject we need to talk about. How do you make purchasing decisions? Do you ever make purchasing decisions based on developers? Oh, the cult of personality. Yeah. yeah, we should come back to that. Instead, let's move on to our one dumb, one dumb thing. Let's move on to our one. We only have one this week. Because it's one. One dumb thing. And it is? Uh, this is yours. You get to read this. Oh, yeah. So, dude, this is huge. This is this is huge. With the, Super Nintendo is at the peak of retro nostalgia right now you get the super nes classic that sean is just he's like whatever i'll make my own you already th- did th- there's they're selling like hotcakes i have three of them at home you have all these indie games that are emulating super nintendo games um you've got the switch with its virtual console anyhow yeah how's that going for you honestly i can't say this is stupid from a marketing standpoint 
No, no, no. The concept of this is perfect in buying into the nostalgia oh, trend. Yeah. They've they're partnering with I am eight bit to make a collectible 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 but working snes replica cartridge of street fighter 2 it's playable they're going to release 8000 in one color and 1000 in blanca green um however yeah here's the thing there's a very very specific warning with these cartridges extended use may cause your super house Nintendo. to burn down yeah yeah don't use them it may kill your children you know possibly it may ryuken you know using a cartridge on 20 30 25 year old hardware um there's dust, no guarantees dust it first yeah dust it first <laughs> using a controlled environment but why what? i mean i mean they're smart because p- these will sell out. This is Somebody... about liability. That's what this is. No, that's is. what that that's what that is. But I mean, they're totally smart. There's a lawyer who said in some of our testing of the prototype cartridges, a small percentage burst into flame. <laughs> they're smart because they're going to sell every one of them. People are going to buy them. That's not the dumb part. People will buy them. It's dumb that we're releasing a Super Nintendo cartridge of a game that already came out years ago that's actually pretty easy to find. Isn't Super Street Fighter 2 also one of the emulated titles on the Super NES Classic? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. I thought yeah. so. But this is actually going to be probably easier to get than a SNES <laughs> Classic. Um, so, yeah. Um, I'm going to go out and buy an 8-track of... Uh, of a song I really of like. Of the Journey album. Yeah. You know. uh, it may cause my car to catch fire, and it doesn't even have an 8-track player. So, uh, Well, that's it for this week. Um, like, subscribe. Yeah, all that. Comment publicly. We're not, not going to be just... back next week. I don't. I didn't tell you that. We'll, we'll be back in two weeks. Okay. What? It's going to be okay, man. Nobody told me. I, I know. I'm telling you now. Well, you're telling the listeners now, and they don't listen to these all in a row, anyways. No, they're listening to. They're still listening to E3. Um, <laughs> but no, seriously, um, Sean and I have talked. I think I've decided what I want to do for a live streaming event. Cool. I want to do. Hold a, on, he said we talked, and I don't know what he's talking about. No, I meant we've talked that we want to do a live streaming event. Yes, but I think I've decided on what we want to do. Okay, well, we'll work out the details. Are you going to say it here? I'm going somewhere... to say it here so we're committed to it. Oh, there we go. 24-hour marathon. What day? We'll figure that out. Do I have to be awake the whole 24 hours? Yes. I'm old, man. I'm old, too. Okay, cool. When are we doing this? We'll figure We'll figure that we'll out. We'll figure it out. We're going to do a 24-hour marathon. We're committed, but we don't know when. Well, not next week. And what are we going to do during this 24-hour marathon? It's all going to be it's going to be a multiplayer extravaganza. How about this? Okay, I'm listening. If you have suggestions as our listeners of specific games you want to see us play and comment on and fall asleep to, well, we're not going to fall asleep because we got to stay up for 24 hours. Right. We could all, we could both die from kidney failure for staying up for 24 hours, just like all those Korean gamers. Sweet. I've always wanted to do that. Me too. I think you only get one shot at it, though. I'll try really hard. Okay. Until next week. I'm Sean. And I'm Jared. And this has been Signs, Cosines, and Tangents.
Ah! <laughs> 